You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. I want to draw your attention in this passage, and we'll get into the message, but I want to draw your attention to something that really, it's, it's very puzzling, because here we read in Matthew 2, and of course the focus is on Jesus, but the Bible says that the wise men, that when they came uh, to Jerusalem, it says in verse number 3 that Herod got word. Herod got word before he met the wise men, he got word that they were looking for a king that was born. Now, I think for Herod, he probably first thought, well, of course they're looking for me because I'm the king. But here's the key. They said, we're looking for that king that is born, as in recently born. And I think Herod probably started to get worried. I think he probably started to get nervous and he probably thought, oh man, somebody's coming to take over. And the Bible says in verse number three that when Herod the king had heard these things, would you read the next three words with me? Ready, begin. He was troubled. Now think about that. Here is a king. Here is a man who's on a throne, a man who's in control. And here is a man who has authority, but yet he did not have peace. He had riches. He had power. Um, he had people that he could snap his fingers and they would do whatever he wanted. And yet Herod was not happy. As a matter of fact, the Bible says he was troubled. That word troubled, it literally means to be agitated. It means to be stirred up. It means to be restless. The Bible says that Herod was troubled. I'd like to begin tonight and preach for a few Sunday nights over the next month or two. I'd like to preach on this subject, how to have triumph over a troubled life. You know, we live in a, a society, we live in a world where people are troubled. Where, where people are agitated, where people are, I don't know if this is the right, right uh, description, but people, people are super sensitive. Have, have you, maybe you work with somebody like that, or maybe you deal with somebody, and you just, you want to say, you don't, but you want to say, take a chill pill, relax, calm down. It's not worth it to get that irritated or that upset and sometimes it's over the littlest matters i'll be speaking about some bible characters who were troubled one bible character we'll look at in the weeks ahead is a man by the name of pharaoh isn't that interesting here's another man in power but he was troubled the bible tells us that nebuchadnezzar the king he was troubled the bible tells us that belshazzar he was the king but he was troubled you say, well, these are just a bunch of wicked people that were troubled. Oh, no. Oh, no. There was a man by the name of Daniel. One of the greatest Bible characters you'll read about and study. The Bible says that he was troubled. The Bible tells us that the disciples, Jesus' very own disciples who walked with him, who talked with him, who lived with him, who, 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 who practiced ministry with him, they were troubled. That's why Jesus had to say in John 14, 1, let not your heart 
be troubled. How come? Because they were troubled. We read about another Bible character. Maybe some of you ladies feel like you're off the hook. Say, oh, he's just talking about a bunch of men that were troubled. How about a lady by the name of Martha? Mary and Martha, the sisters of Lazarus. And the Bible tells us that when Jesus came to their home, that he had to stop Martha. And he said, Martha, Martha, you are troubled over many things. He said, hey, there's a problem here because you are agitated. You are restless. You are so worked up about some things. I'd like to speak tonight on how to have triumph over a troubled life. The Bible says that Herod, when he heard these things, he was troubled. The wise men came looking for Jesus. They traveled about, and we don't know exactly, but they traveled about 500 miles to see someone that the people in Jerusalem did not even know existed. Isn't that amazing? Herod was the king. He was the one who should have been in control. He was the one who had great wealth. He had great power, yet he was troubled. That ought to be a reminder to all of us that having a lot of money does not bring you peace. And having a lot of power and having a lot of authority and having a, a title at work or having a certain a, a job description does not bring peace. Uh, being popular does not bring peace. Uh, having fortune and fame does not bring peace. Those things do not bring peace. Herod had all those things, but yet Herod was troubled. The Bible says that when he heard these things, you and I will hear things throughout our, our, our day and throughout our week and throughout this month, and you'll hear things next year, and if you're not careful, you'll let the things that you hear trouble you. You'll let things that aren't even true trouble you. You'll let things that aren't even going to happen trouble you. Not only was Herod troubled, but notice the end of verse number three. He was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. You see, this is a disease and it's very contagious. When you're troubled, when I'm troubled, did you know it affects those around us? It affects your marriage. It affects your children. It affects the workplace. It affects your friends. It affects your family. It affects everybody because it is contagious. I'd like to speak on how to have triumph over a troubled life. Lord, help us as we look at your word. I pray that you'd help me to be clear and help me to say exactly what needs to be said tonight. And I pray that we would experience triumph. Lord, for those that are in this auditorium tonight that maybe are troubled, maybe we couldn't even tell by looking at their face or we couldn't even tell by talking to them before church. But Lord, in their heart of hearts, they're troubled. They are agitated. They are restless. They are so stressed. Lord, maybe there are some who are listening tonight by way of radio. Maybe there are some who are watching this service online and they, in their heart, they are so troubled. I pray tonight that they would not be troubled, but I pray that they would have triumph. I pray they would have victory. I pray they would have the sweet peace of God that passes all understanding. Lord, I pray that you would help us and, and minister to our hearts and lives tonight. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. I want you to notice very quickly, I see a few reasons why Herod was troubled. Number one, I believe Herod was troubled because Herod was not looking for the Savior. 
You know what's amazing? These wise men, if anybody should have been troubled, it should have been them. They've come 500 miles and they get to Jerusalem and they talk to the king and the king says, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know who you're looking for. Are you sure you guys got the right place? Are you sure you came to the right country? Are you sure you came at the right time? And if anybody should have been troubled, it should have been the wise men. But can I tell you, if you follow the story of the wise men, they were sleeping good at night. If you follow the story of the wise men, they weren't worried about nothing. You know why? Because they were looking for Jesus. They came and they said, we have seen his star in the east and we are come. We don't just want to see him. We want to worship him. We want to see him that is born the king of the Jews. Can I tell you, Herod was not looking for the Savior. There were some people who were. There are people all around us today and this week that we will encounter. There are people all around us who are looking for a Savior. Herod seemed shocked that anybody was looking for a king. Herod wasn't even willing to go and look for himself. When they said, hey, we're looking for the king, he said, well, why don't you go look and when you find him, just come back and let me know. Tried to delegate it to somebody else and Herod had no interest, he had no desire in looking for the Savior. There was no time or place in Herod's life for the Son of God, yet these wise men were looking. I want to encourage you, keep looking for the Savior Keep looking for Jesus. Keep walking with Jesus. Keep talking to Jesus. Keep living your life for Jesus Christ. You say, well, pastor, I've already found Jesus. Good. You got saved, right? I hope you're saved. I hope you know Christ. But salvation is not really you looking for Jesus. As a matter of fact, the Bible says there is none that seeketh after God. You say, well, how did we find Jesus? Well, we really didn't find Jesus as much as he found us. I'm glad he was looking for us. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. The Bible says that before we got saved, we didn't even know we needed Jesus, but he was looking for us as one sheep that was lost. And there were 99 that were safe in the fold, but he left the 99 to go and find that one lost sheep. Aren't you glad Jesus came looking for you? Aren't you glad that Jesus loved you so much that you were worth looking for and he didn't give up on you? Some in this room, you didn't get saved the first time that you heard the gospel. Some of you didn't get saved the first time you had the opportunity, but Jesus kept coming and he kept knocking on your heart's door and he kept speaking to you and he kept offering his love and offering his grace and offering his mercy. And aren't you glad that he found you? And aren't you glad that you got saved? Up to salvation, it's Jesus looking for you. But after salvation, the roles are reversed. After salvation, Jesus wants us to seek after him. He wants us to draw nigh to him. He wants us to have a relationship with him and he's not gonna force himself upon you. I promise you tomorrow morning when you wake up, I promise you your Bible is not gonna be smacking you in the face. I guarantee it, it's not gonna happen. You're gonna have to go get it. I promise you, you will not feel a magnetic force pulling you into the prayer closet tomorrow morning. It's not gonna happen. You're gonna have to go find it. I'll promise you that this week, if you're going to walk with Jesus, it's going to be because you determined that you are going to know him and love him and be drawn closer to him. Herod wasn't looking for the Savior. And whenever you're not looking for Jesus, I'm telling you, you're going to be troubled. You're going to have burdens and cares that are too big for you. And Herod was troubled, number one, because he was not looking for the Savior. The Bible tells us that we are to seek the Lord 
while he may be found. We are to call upon him while he is near. They said to Herod, they said, hey, we've seen the star, but we want to see more than the star. We want to see Jesus. We've seen the star, and that star is pretty awesome, and that star is pretty miraculous, and we followed that star, but we need more than a star. We need more than a miracle. We need more than a sign. We want to see Jesus himself. I love what they said to the disciples in the Gospels. They, they came to the disciples and they said, Sirs, we would see Jesus. They said, we have got to see Jesus. And I know you're saying, Pastor, this is Christmas and this is the birth of Christ. And of course we know we're supposed to look for Jesus. But it gets so busy, doesn't it? And it gets so crazy and your schedule's filling up, my schedule's filling up. And if we're not careful, we will fill every slot in our schedule and we will leave out the most important thing and that is to spend time seeking the Savior. We don't just want to come to church. We don't want to just sit in the pews. We don't want to just hear some nice music. But we want to see Jesus. We want to know Jesus. We want something that is real. We don't need any more of, of show and we don't need any more of ritual. We need Jesus. In Luke chapter 2, it was Jesus that came and brought goodwill toward men. That was not Herod's objective. Herod was all about himself. Herod was not looking for the Savior. Herod was not interested in helping anybody but himself. And Instead, we live in a world where people are not looking for Jesus, but people are looking for pleasure. And people are looking for fun and people are looking for enjoyment. But I'll tell you this, if you're searching in life for anything other than Jesus, you will be troubled and you will be miserable just like Herod. Number one, he wasn't looking for the Savior. You say, well, how do we get triumph? I'll tell you how you get triumph. I'll tell you how you get victory. I'll tell you how you get rid of the troubled life and you get into the victory life. And that is when you start looking for Jesus and start seeking him. Secondly, I see quickly that Herod was ignorant of the scriptures. You see, when they came in Matthew chapter 2 and verse number 4, the Bible says that when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And verse number 5, they said unto him, so they came up with an answer. They said unto him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. And thou, Bethlehem, verse 6, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. That's a quote from Micah 5, 2. So you see, they had it all along. It was there all along, but Herod, who was the king, he was supposed to be leading the people. He was supposed to be governing the people. But he had no idea what the word of God said. Herod was there in the land of, uh, of Judea. Herod was there, and they had access to the entire New Testament. Now think about this. How much of the New Testament do you think the wise men had coming from Babylon, 500 miles away? I'll tell you what I think. I think they had a little bit. I think they had some writings from Daniel. 
I think they had some writings from Daniel, and I think in Daniel's prophecy, when he talked about the different events in the future and the different events that would happen and the prophecy of the Messiah, I think they had a little bit, and I think they took that little bit and they searched it out and they studied it out and they came to a conclusion, hey, there's a king that's going to be born, and then God used a star to lead them to the place where Jesus was. Now, that's what I believe. You won't find that in the scripture word for word, but that's what I believe. So Herod's got all of it. The wise men have a little bit of it. Herod is right there at ground zero, and the wise men are 500 miles away. But Herod is ignorant of the scriptures. I want to ask you this evening, how much of the Bible do you know? How much of the Bible have you read? How much of the Bible have you studied? You say, well, pastor, I've only been saved for a short time and I haven't read. Hey, that's okay. Keep reading. But I'm talking to folks in here that have been saved for years and decades. And I want to say, are we ignorant of the scriptures or could we say we have read the Bible and we have studied the Bible and we have given ourselves to the truth of God's word because we are responsible for what it says. You see, ignorance is no excuse for the law. You're not going to stand before God someday and I'm not going to stand before God someday and say, God, you never told me. You know what he's going to say? I did tell you and I gave it to you in writing. I gave you the Bible. I gave you the inspired, uh, the, the, the complete word of God that was given to us and it is profitable for doctrine, for correction, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness that we would be, be, be thoroughly uh, uh, furnished unto good works. God gave us the Bible. The Old Testament, the Bible gives a sad commentary when it says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. You know why some people don't make it in the Christian life? I believe it's because they're ignorant of the scriptures. They don't know what the Bible says about having a relationship with God. They don't know what the Bible says about holiness. They don't know what the Bible says about surrender. They don't know what the Bible says about marriage. They don't know what the Bible says about child rearing. And uh, I'm not preaching the whole message to uh, Curry and Haley. I'm not preaching the whole message to myself and Joanna. But I'll say this, as parents... We're responsible. As parents, we've got a job to pass something down to our children. And we can't say, well, I didn't know. Well, yes, we did. We've got the Bible. Herod was ignorant of the scriptures. These wise men came searching for Christ because they had first searched the scriptures. Because they had allowed God to lead them to the place where Jesus would be born. You see... Herod and the people there in Israel were not ready for Jesus' first coming. But I want to say that in 2020, there are many people who are not ready for Jesus' second coming. Just like the first coming was a surprise, the second coming is going to be a surprise for many people. And it shouldn't be a surprise because God has told us that Jesus is coming back. We know that the trumpet's going to sound. We know that there'll be a shout and the voice of the archangel. We know that there'll be a rapture. We know there will be a judgment seat. We know that there will be a tribulation on earth. We know that there will be a, a great white throne judgment. We know those things. But yet so many people are ignorant of what God has said concerning his second coming. 
I'm thankful that God loves you no matter what. I'm thankful that God loves us no matter what we do. But can I say, God loves us and God expects us to love him in return. God expects us to serve him. God has given us his word so that we could stand before him and hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Herod heard some things, but he didn't know the word of God. Herod blamed everybody else. It seems like in this passage here that he kind of started to point the fingers at the scribes and uh, pointing the, the fingers at, at the religious people saying, hey, what's, what's the problem? Why didn't you guys tell me? But I'll say this. We like to blame people. Sometimes we blame the church. Sometimes one of my favorites is to blame the youth pastor. You know, that's always good. Blame the Sunday school teacher. You know, I got my kids for, you know, seven days a week, but the Sunday school teacher, they had them for an hour. So it's got to be the Sunday school teacher's fault. It can't be the parents' fault. No way. We like to blame the youth group and we like to blame the friends and we like to blame the job and we like to blame everybody else. But the truth is we are responsible and we will stand before God and we will give an account for what this book says. Herod was troubled, number one, he was not looking for the Savior. Number two, he was ignorant of the Scriptures. But then number three, I want you to see quickly that Herod was not willing to surrender. He was not willing to submit to God. And to be fair, I think that would be very hard for a king. I think that'd be very difficult for someone who is the king to say, I'm going to submit to another king. I think that would be hard. But can I tell you, it shouldn't be hard for us. It shouldn't be hard for us to say, God, you created me. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. And whatever you want for my life, it belongs to you. God, you, you not only created me, but you redeemed me. You paid the price and you bought me back from sin and you bought me back from bondage and you gave your son to be the propitiation for our sins. And so God, after all that you've done, I surrender. My life is yours. I like what Romans 12 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. We're not asking anybody to do anything crazy. I like telling young people like this. I say, hey, we're not asking you to die for Christ. We're just asking you to live for him. Jesus died for you and he gave his life for you and for me. And the least we could do is say, I want to live for him. I want to tell somebody about him. I want to teach a class and I want to run a bus route and I want to knock on a door and I want to work in a nursery and I want to sing in a choir and I want to help and encourage somebody and I want to surrender my life to do something for God. After everything that he's done for me, Herod was not willing to surrender. He would have been forced to admit that he was not in control. He was on a throne, but he was not on the highest throne. He was accountable to the creator of the universe, and he was accountable to the king of kings and lord of lords. I want you to notice with me verse number 19. The Bible tells this story, and then it jumps ahead to another event that took place, and it says in verse number 19, but when Herod was dead. Now think about that. That king, King Herod, 
he died. But the king he was so upset about, King Jesus, he's still alive and well. The king that he was so angry with and the king that he didn't want to yield to and the king that he didn't want to surrender to, that king still lives. And that king is still in control and Herod, he died. The Bible tells us that there's coming a day when at the name of Jesus, not at the name of Herod, not at the name of Caesar Augustus, not at the name of any other king, but at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You see, Herod didn't want to yield, and he didn't want to surrender there then. But there's coming a day when his knee will bow and his tongue will confess. You say, well, well what was the problem with Herod? I think we, we could see several problems, but I'm going to wrap it up tonight by telling you what I think kind of sums up Herod's problem. Why was Herod so troubled? Why was it that Herod was not looking for the Savior? Why was he so ignorant of the Scriptures? And why would he not surrender? I think the answer is this. And it's something that every one of us deal with. Something every one of us face. I believe it was pride. Remember back in Matthew chapter 2 and verse number 3? When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled. What did he hear? Verse number two, all they did was they asked a simple question. Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and we are come to worship him. Herod didn't like the idea that anybody else was going to be worshiped except for him. You know what that's called? Pride. Can I tell you, if you and I, if we don't humble ourselves and if we don't get the victory over our pride, we will be very, very miserable. We'll be very troubled. I want you to turn to one more passage and we'll be done. It's in the Old Testament. 1 Samuel chapter 16. We see another king who was troubled. We see another king who was troubled and I believe it was for the same reason that Herod was troubled. It says in 1 Samuel 16, in verse number 14, but the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. Why did the Spirit of the Lord depart from Saul? Because of his pride. Because in chapter 15, God told Samuel, he said, tell Saul that when you uh, uh, defeat the Amalekites, I want you to kill uh, all of them. I don't want you to spare any of them. And Saul said, I got a better idea. We'll keep some of the animals and we'll keep the king and he'll be kind of our trophy and, and we'll march him down the streets and we'll, we'll let everybody see how great we are. Because Saul, because of his pride in not doing it God's way, the Bible says in 1 Samuel 16, 14 that the Spirit of God departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. This is just the first lesson. We'll go through some more lessons and we'll study this idea of why some people are troubled. But I want to tell you, that's not the way I want to live. 
I don't want to live my life where I'm always upset, and I'm always mad, and I'm always irritated, and I'm always reactionary. I want to live my life in triumph. I want to live my life in victory. And I want to know the peace of God. I want to have the Spirit of God not depart from me. I want to have the Spirit of God rest on me. And I want to know the peace that the Holy Spirit of God can bring. Not being troubled, but having triumph. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.